welcome to the first ever episode of Swing Time. I'm Drew Martin, and I get the privilege of being your host as we take a deep dive into the worlds of both entertainment and sports. And even though today's a Monday, I'm feeling pretty pumped. I don't know about you, but we've got lots to look forward to on today's show. But first, let's start with the hottest news floating around the NBA. Yesterday, while everyone was spending quality time with their dads, you know, doing what you do on Father's Day, NBA executives were still keen on doing business. You know the saying, business never sleeps. Because Washington Wizards guard Bradley Beal was traded to the Phoenix Suns in exchange for Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, some pick swaps, and a handful of second-round picks. Six, to be precise. So what does that mean in worldly terms? I mean, it's basically like handing in a, a beater car for probably a little bit more than it's worth. Say, like, you know, you have, like, a 2006 Prius, right? And, you know, market terms, it's saying it's, like, worth, I don't know, four or five grand if you're lucky on Kelly Blue Book, right? But then you sell it for 10, maybe sell it for 15, because there's just somebody out there who's desperate enough to buy the car. They are willing to do whatever it takes. And in this case, if I'm a Phoenix Suns fan, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little scared, because Phoenix seems to be trying to do whatever it takes to please the likes of Devin Booker, to please the likes of Kevin Durant, after letting go of Chris Paul, waving him. That wasn't exactly the smartest decision, in my opinion. I mean, Chris Paul, granted, he gets injured in the playoffs a lot from time to time, but, I mean, really? You're going to take a swing at the fences for a guy like Brad Beal? I mean, you're giving up all, and I mean all of your picks. All of your picks are now held by other teams. You have nothing to give people. You have no trade assets. This is your team, Phoenix. If you're a Phoenix Suns fan, this is your team. Look at them, looking at them moving forward. I mean, who do you have? I, I would have I would have guessed that DeAndre Ayton would have been the first to go over a guy like Chris Paul. I mean, granted, like I said, Paul's got his injury history. We know that. But, I mean, you look at a guy like Monty Williams. Did he deserve to be fired for the job that was had in Phoenix? I mean, granted, maybe he had some responsibility. I think so. But does he deserve all the blame? I mean, look at DeAndre Ayton, man. The dude was a moving screen door against a guy like Nikola Jokic. Granted, Nikola Jokic, nobody can guard the guy. But I mean, DeAndre Ayton came into the league with comparisons to Shaquille O'Neal with a three-point shot because of how big and how physically imposing he was. So the disappointment that I have in that DeAndre Ayton, you know, experiment that Phoenix decided to run. I mean, now you're going to have to give the guy away. You're paying more money to Bradley, uh, to Brad Beal, to Devin Booker, to KD and DeAndre Ayton. You're in the luxury tax with those four guys, and you still have 11 guys left on your roster that you have to pay, by the way. And not only that, you have to see if you can get enough guys for the vet minimum which is only like 2 or $3 million. Granted, 2 or $3 million is a lot of money to us poor folk. But again, the vet men, how many players are going to be willing to sign for the veterans minimum? Not just players, but good role players. Guys that you're going to have on the end of your bench and you're looking at them and you're going, that's a guy that I can put in to the playoffs. I can put into a finals game for a 10-minute stretch. He only needs 10, 15 minutes into a game. How many vet minimum guys are you going to be able to find that can do that for you? Because I don't know. I, 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 I honestly don't know 
if it's even possible to do at this point. If you are Phoenix, you're kind of just stuck with your team that you've currently got. So you got Brad Beal for another four years locked into that huge deal. I'm pretty sure he's guaranteed $57 million in the last year of that deal. And, and he has the ability to choose if he wants to bring his no-trade clause over to Phoenix. Granted, he's the only player in the entire NBA who was given a no-trade clause. LeBron doesn't have a no-trade clause. But Bradley Beal? A guy that's, like, injured half of the time? I mean, granted, the dude can ball. But do you think he's a number one guy? It was like when the Grizzlies in 2016... Gave Mike Conley, I love Mike Conley, I do, Mountain Mike, right? He was our guy for a minute. But he was the first player ever in the history of the league to make 30 plus million dollars. Mike Conley! And the dude hadn't even averaged more than 21 points a game. So, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of overvaluation for a lot of these players. And I think that once you're uh, a small market team, not necessarily Washington, the DC is not a small market, but say uh, a team like Memphis, right? A team like the Jazz, a team like Denver, a team like Milwaukee, even. You've got to take the swings. You got to swing for the fences. And you've got to sign a guy, maybe not the kind of money or maybe not the kind of deal that you're looking to sign him for. But if you want to keep good players, you've got to do what you got to do to sign them. You know, look at what the Jazz had to do with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. They went into the luxury tax, you know, with Donovan Mitchell, with Mike Conley, with Boyan Bogdanovich. Those guys were making 18 plus, maybe 20 plus million dollars a year. You know, you, you've got to be able to spread out your assets, spread out your payroll. Because now if you're the Jazz, you're looking at a guy like Markkinen, who's making 17, 18 million dollars a year. I'm pretty sure Clarkson or Markkinen, who's making around that kind of money, 17, 18 million dollars a year, is your highest paid player. That's unbelievable, unbelievable to have a guy like Markkinen, an all-star starter last year, making under $20 million a year, and and you've got him on that team option? I, I just, I, you know, if I'm the Jazz, I'm, I'm looking at this draft, right? Speaking of the draft, the NBA draft is coming up on Thursday, June 22nd at 6 p.m. on ESPN, and I'm going to be tuning in, and you should too, because this draft is deep. It's so incredibly loaded, and I'm telling you right now that the Jazz have a chance. They've got three first-round picks this year. Who's to say, with a guy like Danny Ainge, who has a history of drafting great NBA players, Look at just look at the Boston Celtics, look at what he did with them. He was able to reconstruct that entire roster, you know, what is Danny Ainge going to do with those three picks? That is a huge, huge question. And if I'm a Jazz fan, I'm looking around and I'm going, you know, you've got all these different players in the draft. Are you going to trade up? Are you going to try and get a guy like Scoot Henderson, a guy like Amen Thompson, maybe a guy like Cam Whitmore? There's a lot of rumors around the Jazz right now that they are really, really interested in guys like Scoot Henderson and Amen Thompson, those athletic point guards that can just jump out the building, that have that high basketball IQ of that feel for the game. Those kind of guys that can lead you to win. A kind of guy that will be a leader, not just on the court, but off the court as well. You want that kind of DNA in your locker room. And if you're a Jazz fan, you know, you're looking at a guy like Scoot Henderson. Could he be your number one option? I mean, goodness gracious, the dude can jump out the building. 
He's built like a linebacker, 6'3", 195 pounds, and he's cut. Dude, he's cut. I mean, if you haven't seen pictures of him, I, I would encourage you to take a look. I mean, there's pictures of him circulating all around the internet of him having these massive, and I mean massive muscles, just just etching out the sides of his arms. I mean, they're probably bigger than my legs, if I'm being honest with you. I mean, the dude is just massive. And the even be- the best part about all of that, right, if you get a guy like Scoot, Steph Curry just recently came out and said that he was going to take Scoot under his wing and mentor Scoot Henderson. So Scoot's number one knock on him right now, I would say, would be his shooting, right? So you take a guy like Steph Curry, and Scoot's been in the gym and having great workouts, by the way. Every team that he's worked out for so far has said he has been superior in his workouts to guys like Brandon Miller, uh, guys like Amen Thompson, you know, and he's saying all the right things. He's looking cut. He's looking like he's ready to go. He's got that dog mentality. So if you're the Jazz, do you have what it takes to trade up and get a guy like Scoot at two or three? Does Charlotte or Portland have what you want to offer them? Or do you have exactly the kind of package that they're looking for? Because if you get a guy like Scoot, I mean, the Blazers have basically come out and said, that they're looking for an all-star wing to pair up next to Lowry Markin or next to Damian Lillard, and you're looking at a guy like Lowry Markin, and you're thinking, well, isn't he the guy? I mean, he's he's the prototypical build in the NBA. Seven feet tall, he's 240 pounds. I mean, he's basically like the white Kevin Durant out of nowhere. I mean, we saw him play in Finnish, or we saw him play in Finland when he was on the Finnish team, the Finnish national team, uh, during the FIBA World Qualifiers last year. And I mean, the dude just turned it up another level. You know, went from averaging 14 and a half points a game in uh, for Cleveland in 2022, gets traded to Utah for Donovan Mitchell and all of those picks and Colin Sexton and everything like that. And then comes out the gate and averages 26 points a game on efficient, and I mean efficient, shooting numbers. He is one of those guys, again, reminds me of Kevin Durant. If we want to take a look at his stats here real fast, I mean, the dude was averaging like 30%, or he was averaging, let me see, pulling it up right now. He was averaging, uh, you know, 25 points a game. He was averaging 50% from the field, so he's already shooting 50%, so he's making half of his shots, right? That's... That's pretty impressive. Averaged eight rebounds a game, two assists per game. I mean, and he was doing it, like I said, on efficient numbers, too. Efficient numbers. And we're getting it pulled up here. Let's see. Yeah, like I said, you know, 25.5 points a game, 8.5 rebounds a game, two assists per game, 49% or 50% from the field, I should say. 38% from three, and 87% from the free throw line. That Those are great numbers if you're a Utah fan. You know, you're looking at a guy like Walker Kessler, too. So you've got a front court. You know, Walker Kessler, huge dude. Basically, Rudy Gobert, younger and better and on a way smaller contract. And he seems to just have this, like, liveliness about him, you know? This, this feeling that you just love. Rudy Gobert, not a lot of people liked Rudy Gobert. Everybody loves Walker Kessler. 
And you want to bring that type of DNA to the Jazz. That's what you need. You need likable guys. You want to have a franchise that people want to come watch. You know, you bring in a guy like Dwayne Wade to, you know, as a minority owner. You bring in a guy like Ryan or um, uh, Ryan Smith, you know, who is your owner. You got a guy like David Fisdale, Danny Ainge. You know, you've got all these big names that people know. And, you know, that's that's no small feat in the world of the NBA. You know, and so like, what are they going to do next? You look at the Jazz and you think, what are they primed? What are they set up for? And I'm thinking, you know, you look at a guy. If we're if we're thinking in realistic terms, we're thinking point guard here, right? Like I was stating earlier with Scoot, you know, athletic can jump out the building. He can be your number one guy. Being mentored by Steph, I mean, you know, has all of the intangibles that you're looking for. But if we're thinking realistic here, and we don't necessarily have the package that these guys are looking for. Maybe look at a guy like Asor Thompson or Anthony Black out of Arkansas. You know, guys that have that feel for the game. Anthony Black, I look at a guy like Anthony Black, and he reminds me a lot of Lonzo Ball. You know, Lonzo had that weird shot where he was, like, kind of shooting off to the left, that little weird hitch in his shot. Anthony Black doesn't have the same hitch. He does have the same kind of shooting woes, however. He kind of has a little bit of a hitch in his shot, not off to the left per se, but just kind of on the release. It just looks a little funky. It's not nearly as fluid as, say, a guy like, you know, Grady Dick or Jordan Hawkins or some of those other guys that just have incredible jump shots. But, you know, he has everything else that you're looking for. He's 6'7", 190 pounds, can play point guard. He could play the one through four if you wanted him to, honestly. I mean, he's got that ability to play that innate defense at the point of attack, which is what you need if you're the Jazz. You need another defender, another big defender who can come in and get the job done you know, on the perimeter. Because you have Walker Kessler, you have Markinen down in the painted area, even out on the wings at times, you know, if need be. But then if you get a guy like Sexton and Black together in the backcourt, Sexton brings that energy for you. But Black, he brings that dog, man. You get two dogs in your backcourt, and then you don't even have to worry about shooting with Black. You've got shooting all across the floor. Even Walker Kessler can shoot a three here and there. So if I'm the Jazz, I'm looking at a guy like Anthony Black. He can throw the ball to Markinen. He can get anybody open. You know, he can play great defense. He rebounds the ball well. He gets out in the open space. You know, he's out in transition. He's attacking. He's doing what he needs to do to get the job done at a high level. You don't really need him to shoot. You know, I'm looking at a guy like Asore Thompson. Same thing. Elite defender. Guy on the wing who can go out and play make for you. Get get you some buckets. Not a great shooter, can still develop that shot, but he has an elite first step. Not as elite as his brother Amen, but still very quite an elite basketball player. And if I'm the Jazz, I'm taking a chance on a guy like Amen or a Sore Thompson, you know, and doing everything that I can, whether outside of trading Lowry Markinen and Walker Kessler, doing everything that I can to get a guy like that who can just go out, get your buckets, be your number one guy, because you're not going to be good next year. You're not going to be, you know, one of those top playoff teams that's competing for a championship. That's not in the cards right now. That's another two or three years away. That's what this rebuild is. You know, you've and you've got to do it right. And if I'm the Jazz and I'm a Jazz fan, I'm taking all of my faith and I'm putting it in Danny Ainge. Just believe in Danny, man. He can get the job done. He's done it before. He has the greatest eye for talent that I've seen in a long time. He has a knack for doing the right thing, even though people don't always agree with him. He'll even get rid of guys that he doesn't necessarily want. 
or, or guys that you would think that you might want. Nobody's untouchable, right? Look at Paul Pierce. Look at Kevin Garnett. Look at Rayon. He traded all of those guys after winning him a championship, right? Even just traded away Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. I mean, granted, he just got away with the biggest steal of all time in probably all sports history in terms of trades with that Rudy Gobert trade. But, I mean, let me say this, man. Just keep believing in Danny Ainge, and he will continue to surprise you and get the job done. I have faith in this Jazz organization. I have faith in the players. I have faith in the front office. I have faith in the ownership, the leadership of the team. I can't wait to see the direction that the Jazz go in. You know, they even changed the name of the arena back to the Delta Center, so a little bit more nostalgia there, bringing those nostalgic feelings back with the classics uniforms from the 90s. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. So if you're a Jazz fan down here in St. George, be sure to tune in to watch the NBA Draft on ESPN at 6 p.m. on Thursday, June 22nd. But we enjoy all of the time that you have had here with us on Swing Time. We hope that you continue to listen into the show. You are what keeps this show going. At the end of the day, we love you. I'm excited to continue to roll along with you. Thank you for joining us here on another episode of Swing Time. We will be back with you next week. <laughs>